Hey, I'm Johnny King, and I'm a life enthusiast, growth mentor, and lifestyle fulfillment coach. I've dedicated my life to helping anyone who feels like they're not making the most of their potential to level up and live the legendary life of their dreams. You deserve to be the king or queen of your own kingdom, and I'll be here to help you be the best version of you that you can be. I'm glad you're here, so let's get to it. Hey, it's Johnny King coming to you from the Johnny King podcast studio. Who am I kidding? I'm in my bedroom. (laughs) Ah, that's the beautiful world that we live in, in this stay-at-home era of 2020. And, uh, but I like to think of it as my studio and, uh, it's quiet, which is why I appreciate coming up here. Uh, I hope you're doing great wherever this podcast episode finds you. Today, I want to d- dive into um, a topic that I love, and uh, Brene Brown talks about a lot, vulnerability, and some lessons I've learned about the power of vulnerability. Um, being a guy, I think vulnerability is always uh, a challenge, at least how most men are raised, right? This is nothing new. If you're at all into the the world of personal growth, um, you know, you've probably heard more than once that, yeah, men are raised to suck it up and, you know, big boys don't cry. And, um, and you know what it really is, is, is I think there is some truth to the fact that when you think about it, like men that are hardwired, more masculine, than feminine, they resonate more with masculine traits. And a lot of that having to do with like taking action, right? Taking action where, uh, where I am, where I want to go, point A to point B, what's the fastest way to get there? Um, how, you know, I'm going to put on my blinders, minimize all the distractions around myself and just go. And because of that, there's not a whole lot of understanding as to why, why emotions would be a good thing, right? If you break down, like I've talked about in different podcast episodes in the past, uh, it slows down the progress, right? And so in sports, especially, especially coached by other men, a lot of times there's just like, suck it up, you know, just keep going. Like that's, you can't win if you're sitting in the middle of the field crying, right? Um, and yet when you look at the feminine expression, that is where all the juice is. That's where all the fun, the fun of life is. It's like, how do you appreciate art or, you know, music concerts or <clears throat> reading a good book or sharing intimacy or vulnerability since we're on the topic with your partner, with your significant other, if you are emotionally flatlined, Right which a lot of guys are, let's just be honest. So that, uh, that conversation has come up often. And I remember um, the, the very first, well, not the very first, but the, the lesson where I probably learned it the most of how powerful vulnerability can be was at my mom's uh, funeral. And my mom had passed away at this point. I guess it was, uh, shoot, uh, there's so many things that happened right around that time, but it was, uh, 
as a week, I think, prior to her funeral. Um, and I had already put in my two-week resignation at a startup that I was at. I was 25, I think, at the time, 26. Um, and this startup that had tons of promise was going belly up. And uh, I saw the writing on the wall. And given all the things that are outside of my control that were offering a lot of pain in my life, like my mom's cancer, one thing that was in my control was just, you know, getting out of that situation of also being a part of this startup that had so many amazing coworkers and had such promise, but there it too was dying a very slow death. So I bailed out of that. Um, and my mom's funeral was on a Friday afternoon. And it was the same day that w- that was my last day at work. And so one of my amazing coworkers, um, Wes, said to me, you know what, Johnny, like one thing I regret, um, I don't know if he regrets or he was told, it, it doesn't ultimately matter, but he just gave me the, the, the advice that said, if you have, you know, I, I know it might be a challenging moment, but if you have something to say to honor your mother in that moment, don't, no matter how you're feeling, don't pass up that moment. Honor her, just let it come from the heart and that sort of thing. And I was like, yeah, I will, thank you. And I have this sneaky feeling that it's not going to be easy. I had not shed a tear since she uh, had passed away. It just, I was numb, more or less. I just was still in shock. But I had this sneaky feeling that sure enough, fast forward to that afternoon, like literally the very first tone that came ringing out of the uh, the organ um, that, you know, kind of marked the beginning of her funeral, like someone turned on the waterworks <laughs> and I just fell apart and I just started sobbing like I was five years old again and I could not get it to stop. And so, of course, we're in the front row. My family and I, I have four other siblings. Um, I have an older sister, an older brother, a younger brother, a younger sister. And, uh, you know, my dad opens things up and then he kind of turns it over to each of us to say things. So my sister gets up there. She, you know, very calmly, very controlled, you know, gives her a little speed. And I remember, I'm like, I'm, I'm not hearing anything. I'm just looking through tears and snot and, you know, ugly cry face attempting to, to try to keep it together. And I couldn't, I just was, it was just all coming out. And cause it was also the, it was the, the business, the whole, you know, startup that was ending me leaving my job. It was like so many things were such a challenge in that sense. Um, and so then my older brother got up there and he said things and, but he kept it all together. No one shed a tear and they looked at me, <laughs> and of course, I am just a complete hot mess, and they're like, mm, yeah, skip, and I, and I didn't try to get up, I was like, you know, I say, I, I say the word try, I didn't, uh, I didn't even think to get up, I just couldn't even think about talking at the moment, my little brother went, my little sister went, my little sister got choked up a little bit, so she cried a little bit, uh, but, but just uh, a little bit, my dad got back up, and just before he was about to kind of close out and thank everyone for coming, I remember my buddy Wes's advice ringing in my ears. I was like, no, no, no. And I like pulled it all together. And I was like, I need, I got something to say. And so I like went up there and, you know, 
I didn't even get through. And I had something planned. <laughs> I had it all written out, right? Oh, man. I did not even get through that very first sentence. And I lost my shit again. And just, again, ugly cry, snot, tears. I couldn't even see the paper that I was supposed to be reading from. And I just came from my heart. And I, and I remember saying something about how, like, my mom was a saint of a mom. I mean, she had five children she didn't make one of us feel like, uh, you know, we didn't go wanting for, for anything in terms of her love, right? Uh, and I kind of mentioned this story about like when I was in sixth grade, I was the lead in the sixth grade play. I was also participating in three different baseball leagues. So I was playing over, listen to this, over 100 games I played as a sixth grader within the span of 90 days in three months while I was also working on reciting, you know, memorizing all these lines. It was a musical. I was freaking singing as a sixth grader in this thing. And she would drive me to all of these games. Not to mention she was a mom to four other children, you know, and uh, a relationship to her husband to boot. I'm like, that was, I just felt like that was my mom. Quintessential Sally King right there. Like, she was an A plus mom, uh, in my, in my mind. And so I talked about that story and at the end, uh, as soon as it was over, I just had to get out of there. I didn't want to see anyone. I was kind of like embarrassed, but I was just, my heart was hurting of course. And I just was, I hadn't, anyways, I just had to get out of there. But what was so interesting is that over the course of two years, I remember probably the the last person that said something, I remember thinking to myself, this was two years ago that my mom's funeral happened. People came up to me at church, throughout the community, at Starbucks, because my mom was well-loved and this was a tight-knit community in St. Louis, thanking me about my, you know, my share at my mom's funeral. And at the beginning, I was like, really? Like, are you like, no, listen, someone told me, it's like, Listen, what was so challenging was that, you know, we all loved your mom. Your mom was an absolute amazing saint of a woman. And yet when all of your, all of your siblings got up there and had, had it together, we kind of felt like, who are we to cry and to be remorseful and to grieve her when her children themselves, you know, seemingly have their shit together. And the fact that you got up there and you just let it, go they were like there wasn't a single dry eye in the entire church you gave the entire community permission to grieve and to let it let it out and i was like whoa like that that to me was an amazing example of the power of vulnerability because so often and no knock against my siblings you know but again it's like because I really didn't, I didn't choose this. I just, I just, I wanted to say something and I took the opportunity, but of course it was very, <laughs> very messy. And yet I think, uh, you know, it probably wasn't even so much that what I said, but it was just the, the willingness to be vulnerable and to, uh, not look like we have all of our stuff together. And so that was the first, um, example of, how powerful that was. Now, fast forward to 
not this past summer, the summer before that, maybe the, yeah, about, let's say a year and a half ago, um, ultimately it doesn't matter. I was in this um, personal development course and it was kind of like a 90 day coaching uh, high level accountability program where I was in the course with like 12 other people and we were aiming for these very big, lofty, personal, uh, professional and fun goals. So we had, we set these very lofty goals, one in each of those categories, and we were all holding each other accountable. And and they were so lofty that, you know, as you can imagine, we would get into breakdown because your, your ego would pop up or your fears and like, I can't do this. You just want to, and people, we were all there to be like, no, no, you're going to, you set this, you're going to do it. Right. And so we would have these weekends where we had like once a month, once a quarter, we would, I'm sorry, once a month, we'd have these like kind of all day Saturday, all day Sunday, these transformational breakthrough months or or weekends experiences. And during one of them, one of the experiences is where uh, I don't, without, it doesn't really matter the context, but at one point my entire team is out in front of me. I was like the very last one to, to go through this process and um, we each had kind of individual coaches, um, and my coach starts actually railing on me, and I and I kind of forget exactly. I mean, I, I I know he was coming from a loving place, right? But he was doing it for effect. But he he asked the entire team, "How many of you know things, vulnerable things, intimate? No, he goes intimate things about." Johnny, they all raise their hands, right? If you're listening to this podcast, you probably know some intimate things about me already. He said, now I want to see a show of hands. How many of you have an intimate relationships, relationship with Johnny? And there was one hand that went up. And I was like, what? Like, my brain couldn't totally com- com- um, compute. Like, oh, wait, what's the difference? Like, in the moment, and I felt like the spotlight on me, and I felt the pressure felt my temperature rising, my face is getting flushed. I'm like, you know, whenever you feel like you are <laughs> not succeeding at something, um, and I have a certain level of pride of feeling like, you know, I'm an open guy and I like to, to, to share myself honestly and vulnerably with people. When I realized, you know, we're 60 days in this program and most everyone doesn't feel like they have an intimate relationship. And I love relationships. I love people. It impacted me pretty deeply. But then he gets up in my face, my coach does, and he starts yelling at me. Come on, share share something vulnerable with your team. Be vulnerable, be vulnerable. And I'm laughing because it was like so intense in the moment. Of course, recollecting it now, I'm like, oh my gosh. And I was feeling, again, feeling that like, rush of blood, you know, moving its way up my neck into my head. And I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, bro, (laughs) to my coach, I'm like, you can't scream at a man, at a masculine man to be vulnerable when all that makes me want to do is throw my fist (laughs) into your face. You know, I'm like, back off, you know, why don't you ask a little bit more, you know, lovingly and 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 he immediately got it. it's like you, you can't you can't yell at a man to be vulnerable and i've been in those situations actually with with uh 
various exes in the past when they're yelling, you know, trying to get their point made. And, and even though they're right, the way that they're doing it at the top of their lungs is wrong, right? Which is another good point that's made in a book. If you haven't read it, love and respect. And uh, <laughs> you can be right and still yet wrong at the top of your lungs. Um, I'll talk about that in another podcast. And so as uh, as I kind of backed off and gave me some space, I'm thinking, I'm racking my head. I'm like, what? I've already told them everything that I feel like is deeply vulnerable and intimate. Like I don't, I don't have anything to share. And then boom, it hit me like a wave. And I actually just started to cry. And, and then everyone like, cause they were all kind of like challenging him. They were all kind of talking and then they all kind of got quiet. And I looked up and they're all kind of just focused on me. And I was like, you want to know something intimate about me? I'm vulnerable. I'm deeply afraid that I won't get remarried. I'm deeply afraid that I won't have children. And I would love to have a lot of children. And I feel like I'm just obviously getting older and older. And I, I can feel that right now. Even as I'm saying it, I can feel it like welling up in my throat. <clears throat> um, and yet in, in past relationships... I think uh, there's been individuals who have misinterpreted that I didn't care for them as much as I cared for the possibility of having future children. And unfortunately, that was something that was miscommunicated and couldn't be further from the truth. I deeply want children. I feel like I, I will be an amazing father. But I also know that the children are on lease from God for 18 years, give or take. 20. (laughs) Hopefully they're still not living with me when they're 40 years old. However, I do feel like the greatest gift you can give your children is to have an amazing, extraordinary relationship with your spouse. And so I know the kids are going to come and go, but that relationship with, with my spouse is of the utmost importance. It is literally the partner that I'm going to do life with. And, uh, I'm just not willing to settle because to, to have a relationship where you have what my mom described in her relationship with my dad as a quote unquote working relationship. To me, that sounds like death. And I'm sure, cause I've talked to a lot of married people and they kind of roll their eyes when I say this and they're like, Oh Johnny, you'll, you'll realize once you have kids, once you get married, I'm like I've been married. <laughs> Granted, not, not a long time, two and a half years, but it's, to me, it was challenging, but it was still amazing. And I was in love with, with the ex the entire time, long after that, for that matter. And so, you know, I, the way that I see it is like, man, it's, it's not a, going through a divorce is not something I want to go through again. And yet, um, I also am not going to settle because I feel like that is, the worst uh, example that you could give to your children, you know? And what I feel like, like I said, this is the greatest thing that you could show them is is an amazing relationship where king and queen come together and they work um, so well together with their compatibility. And yet there's also deep love and affection and chemistry. And, you know, it's like, I don't, I really don't want my kids and I know it's going to be a challenge, but it's just like, uh, 
it's just standards. It comes down to standards. And it's that standard of working on it. It's the standard of how vulnerable are you going to be? It's a standard of intimacy. I don't want to have a, uh, a relationship with someone who knows intimate things about me, but doesn't actually have an intimate, like an, like a relationship of intimacy with me. Does that make sense? So the, the greater level of relationship that you can have with yourself, uh, with your creator, with individuals, uh, you know, it's just like working out in the gym, the greater the relationship it's going to be. And so granted, I'm going off on a, a little bit of a soapbox rant at the moment. However, I, I'm deeply passionate about, um, about the standards in which we hold. And I feel like the, the vast majority of people uh, feel like they've gotten married and then they can lax. They can, they can relax a little bit. They can let their health go a little bit. They can uh, just let things roll and, uh, and not be very intentional about it. The people that I know that still have great relationships, they really do put a lot of, uh, you know, thought and action and uh, intention into the time spent with each other, with the kids, with uh, maintaining friendships. Because listen, if you're too busy working, if you're too busy seeking significance to, to prove uh, that, you, that you are enough such that you let your relationship, the health of your relationship with your significant other, with your children, with your friends, with your community, if you let that go, there's, uh, there's only one way that things go. And I'm speaking from experience, and it's not a good, uh, not not a, good, not a good direction. And so the the greater levels, like Brene Brown says, the greater levels of of vulnerability that you're willing to offer your your significant your significant other, your your friends, the world. I see a lot of fake vulnerability on social media, um, but true vulnerability, like and, and vulnerability, intimacy, like I said, is like. People can know intimate things about you, but to, to, to have an intimate relationship with you, that's a whole nother ballgame, right? And it's very rare that we end up sharing our deepest, darkest fears. So I'm putting that out there. Not Granted, uh, this is on a podcast and I'm you know, just talking from my room. <laughs> a little bit longer of a, of a podcast than normal. But I hope, you're, uh, hope you've been okay with me sharing a piece of my heart. Um, because it's, because it's real and I'm not going to begin to pretend like I got all my shit together. Uh, cause I certainly don't. We all have our skeletons in our closet. We're all working to our, improve ourselves over time. Um, but when it comes to being a congruent man, a man who has, uh, a, a very high standard for experiencing abundance in all areas of, of his life, I would rather, hold on to that standard. And that doesn't mean being too picky, but it just means looking for the right partner, looking for the right standard in your health, looking for the right opportunities to give back to the world and not just be seeking money. Like you have to have the right reasons for why you seek anything, right? Otherwise, you're going to learn the hard way and you're going you're gonna to piss away moments and opportunities in your life because you're 
not willing to open up and be vulnerable and you're not willing to, to seek the things that are truly meaningful. So in any case, uh, would love to hear any thoughts that you have. Please feel free to uh, DM me, contact me, share this out. I really appreciate you guys. Um, for those of you that are listening, just be in there and uh, would love to, to continue the conversation back and forth as this is certainly not just me talking <laughs> one direction. It's, uh, it's going both directions. So hope you have an amazing day. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll catch up with you soon. And that's our show for today. I want to thank you so much for listening. And hey, if you got something positive from this episode, I'd be honored if you'd share it on your favorite social platform. It also really helps to get the word out if you subscribe and leave a review of the show on Apple Podcasts because I read every single one. Something you think we could be doing better? I love constructive feedback as it's always welcome. And please feel free to email me at podcast at johnnyking.com with any questions or concerns. I'm also available on Instagram at Johnny King or on facebook.com backslash Johnny King men's coach. Thanks again for joining me. I've been Johnny King. You've been awesome. And we'll catch up with you next time. Peace.